And by spotlight, I just mean you might be a coach at your local gym. That means how many members are at your gym? You are a spotlight to them. They're all looking at you coaching class. Like if you post something and if you send those messages and if you're commenting those positive things, like it makes a difference. You know, you don't have to be Tia Claire to me to make a difference on Instagram or Facebook or wherever. Like I know it. My best self is better than every single person who's going to walk on that platform that Gosh, man, that was... It's a moment to change my life, man. Work harder than everyone else and just keep going. Get up and do it again and again and again. The journey to a better you starts right now. Hey, what's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Better Than Yesterday podcast. Thank you for tuning in this week. I am your host, Angelo Kelly. And on this episode, I am joined by Jess Wiesner of Power Branding. Jessica is a social media manager to CrossFit athletes. Definitely not something that you hear about, but as we start to get to these higher level CrossFit competitions, the games, semifinals, things like that, these athletes don't have the time to be spending on social media, especially on the days and weeks leading up to competition. So that is where Jessica comes in. She helps manage their presence on social media, helps them get some new sponsors and sustain their life outside of competition as well and don't feel like this episode is not for you just because you're not a high level athlete I am not a high level athlete either but I did learn a ton about social media and how to optimize your presence and just your time on the platform I know a lot of us get caught up in the negative stuff going on social media but with Jessica's tips we can spread a lot more positivity and have a much better experience on Instagram so I hope you guys enjoy this one I did and let's kick it over there now. It's kind of crazy hearing about like all the the back end things that you don't even think about. The, especially, I mean, CrossFit as a sport is like it's at this weird stage where where maybe a couple of years ago you weren't even sure if it was going to stick around or like what it was going to grow into, and now it's like, I mean, MLB, NFL, like it could be on that level in a couple of years. Yeah, especially like with the Rogue Invitational coming up um, and Wadapalooza, we're seeing like those bigger price purses. I think some of that, it, that money is kind of what it's going to take to continue pushing the sport forward. And we're seeing that we're seeing a lot of these athletes are starting. They're just now dabbling into endorsements that aren't specifically CrossFit related. So like Sarah Sigmund's daughter comes to mind. She was like the first one she got a sponsorship with. I don't remember if it was like maybe BMW, but it was one of the car, like a bigger car dealer um, or car brand. Clearly, I don't know a lot about automotive stuff, um, but she got one of those bigger endorsements a couple years ago. And that was like the first time we saw an athlete get, you know, a big endorsement that wasn't from Rogue or in apparel, you know, Noble or something like that. So I think as we continue to see that stuff evolve, the sport's going to continue growing you know we'll hopefully see it more on espn and maybe some of those bigger networks and things like that when did you personally get into it gosh i started crossfit myself in like late 2014 early 2015 um kind of funny but i used to be involved in pageants and just all things girly pageants um NFL cheerleading. Um, and so I was always looking for a way to, you know, get myself in shape the best that I could, um, and came across CrossFit and found myself. I remember thinking, um, man, I cannot wait for this pageant to be over. So I don't have to go to CrossFit. And then the pageant would end and I kept finding myself like, maybe I should go back to CrossFit. Um, and so kind of funny, but I, obviously totally transitioned away from pageants in the NFL. And now I just do CrossFit recreationally. How long did you do the cheerleading for? Um, so I auditioned to be an Indianapolis Colts cheerleader three times. Um, I made the up until the final cut every time. So I never made the squad, um, but always was there when they announced the squad. Um, so I certainly can understand, um, I feel like when athletes, you know, come so close and they, you know, they miss making the CrossFit games by that one spot or that one point. Uh, I feel like I totally understand that I've been there. Um, and you know, I just, I I've worked through that myself and kind of battled even like some of the injuries and things that come along with that. So, um, yeah, three years was my extent, um, 
you know, in Indianapolis trying for that goal, I guess you could say. Is there like a minor leagues or it's kind of like you, you try out for the team and, and it's just all or nothing. You either make it or you don't. Um, well, it, for the Indianapolis Colts, it's either you make it or you don't. I guess when you say minor leagues, there's other like dance teams or other avenues of dance that are would be kind of like that step down. Um, but I, number one, have been just a Colts fan my whole life. So it was more meaningful for me to be an Indianapolis Colts cheerleader. Um, and also I just liked their um, quality of like their expectations of how they held, you know, the standards they held their team to, things like that. So I didn't really want to lower that standard for myself. Um, but honestly, the, you know, I, I was, I was an older candidate. Honestly, a lot of these girls are like 18 to 20, 22. And I didn't even start trying out until I was like 24, 25. So I was always older. Um, and honestly, at some point your body doesn't want to keep going into the splits anymore. And I think I found my limit. So how do you train for that? I mean, you said you were doing a little bit of CrossFit, but was there, you know, like a specific strength and conditioning thing that you followed or like mobility work or what did that look like? Um, as far as just fitness goes, I just really focused more on like the cardio side of things. So I went to CrossFit every day, but like, instead of doing, you know, sometimes it would be like a heavier barbell movement. I would lower that weight, increase those reps and just make it, everything was like a cardio movement to get me ready for um, high energy, like long time dancing and things like that. Um, so mostly cardio, they actually did a fitness portion of auditions. So it, it was, um, a running beep test, which is where you have to run from like point A to point B in the, before the beep. And then the beeps get closer together. So you have to run faster. So I did a lot of running, um, sprinting, things like that. They also did like a push up and sit up test, a burpee test one year. So some different things like that, mostly body weight stuff. Um, so I started, of course, incorporating those things into my routine. Um, and then from a mobility side of things, I'm not all that flexible, actually. So I did have to do a lot more work to, you know, keep those splits and kicks, things like that. Um, my uh, very best friend, who is also so a client of mine is a physical therapist. She's um, specializes in CrossFit, but she helped me a lot, helping me get into those positions and training. Um, actually, and same thing with CrossFit too, is training your brain to let your brain tell your body that you can move in those ways. Um, so a lot of movement patterns that we see even on the CrossFit stage, just like I experienced on the dance stage, um, is actually not a limitation sometimes that your body has, but just that your brain starts signaling to your body like, oh, don't go there. Um, when in reality, your body can totally go there. So working through all of that, especially as you start getting older too, like you, you yes. kind of, you have that in the back of your mind. Like I got to go to work on Monday, so I'm not trying to do this. Yeah. Oh, I think my brain was totally like, Jess, we're not supposed to go there anymore. You're don't jump so hard and land in those splits, but I did it anyway for a little while. Well, that's very cool. I, I love to just kind of get some background on people just so, you know, we're just not diving right into the business side. But I know um, when we talked yesterday, you said you started or not yesterday, uh, last week when you said um, you were in the corporate world for a little bit. So I kind of wanted to hear your journey. Um, people have heard mine and how much I hated it. So I uh, kind of yeah. just want to hear your experience with it. Yeah. Well, and from when we talked, we have somewhat similar experiences. Uh, I went to school and got a degree in accounting and had worked two different um, roles um, in accounting. And my last my last job was an accounting manager. And I just honestly was I just felt like something was missing looking at Excel all day just did not feel fulfilling. I, I, I felt like there was more. I felt like I would leave work every day feeling like there it is possible to like what I'm doing every single day. And I wasn't. And so um, I just started kind of throwing spaghetti against the wall to see what would stick and um, started saying yes to a lot of opportunities that came my way. 
um, which is how I landed into social media management. And it sparked me to create power branding. Um, and yeah, I've just never looked back since. I was really fortunate, able to transition away from accounting in a really great way. I, you know, walked away from some really awesome, you know, relationships with people in the industry um, that I still can utilize today. My background in accounting and business has helped me tremendously as I've started my own business. Um, and so I'm, I'm grateful for the you know, the experiences I've had, I'm really grateful that I was able to take the risk and, you know, come up with the courage and confidence to do that. Um, I would recommend it for anyone that just doesn't feel like they're reaching their full potential doing, you know, whatever it is, that's maybe not, not so fulfilling for them. For sure. What, what were some of those things that you tried that you didn't like, or, you know, you said you were throwing spaghetti against the wall. Is there anything that you tried yeah. that just didn't work? Yeah, from, I mean, I pretty much always stuck kind of inside of like a big marketing bubble. Um, but I just found like email campaigns or website development, some of that stuff just wasn't quite as fulfilling to me as the social media side. And that's why I just really started narrowing in, niching down to that social media perspective. It's also why I niched down into just working with fitness and health and wellness brands and individuals. Um, because as I try to even for non-fitness brands, you know, whether it's someone who is like an interior designer or a photographer, um, I didn't always have similar interests. And what I found that made my skill set unique was when I worked with fitness brands or health or wellness brands, I'm really passionate about all of those things. And I'm more knowledgeable about them. So I felt like my content and my, you know, just the engagement and the services I could provide were way more, you know, top notch for those companies compared to those that weren't. And so it's just, it was kind of just dabbling in a little bit of all of it that allowed me to really niche down into something I love. Um, and it's really opened up doors to meeting people and going places to where it's all stuff I look forward to rather than I never have that, that part of my day where it's like, oh, I have to do Susie's content and it's something I don't enjoy. Like I enjoy all of it. So um, it was a process, but we got there. Yeah, I heard, uh, I was listening to a podcast yesterday and I heard that like 20, I think 2020 and 2021 is the year that the most people ever quit their jobs. And, and it was also the year that the most people started their own businesses, which is really cool. I think a lot of people had that perspective shift when it's like, what am I doing? Like I'm spending all my time doing something that I don't really want to do. So it is cool to hear when, uh, when people branch off and do their own thing. And for me, like it doesn't even necessarily have to be your 40 hour a week thing. I know for you that you've made it that, which is awesome. But for me, it's even, Hey, a couple hours a week doing the podcast and talking to interesting people. So I think, yeah, I mean, it's cool that you were able to bring together everything that you really like to do, like the social media side. And then like, Hey, not only am I just going to say yes to every client, it's like, no, I'm going to, I'm going to really work with people that I'm interested in. Yes. A hundred percent. It makes it way more fun as you, I mean, same for you. Like it's why your podcast is, is with people that again, fall under that health and fitness umbrella rather than just anything and everything because you enjoy it so much more. And like you said, 2020 allowed people to kind of take a step back. They had a lot more time to really think and dig a little deeper because they weren't as busy and there wasn't as much chaos in life. And, and people I think realized like, maybe I'm not reaching my ultimate, you know, happiness or my ultimate purpose, things like that. And so, um, I, I believe that's a huge positive takeaway that, you know, as a population or a society we've, we've gained is, you know, even though a lot of people quit their jobs, I think it also was a shift for a lot of people to find, you know, something they're passionate about or something they can be, you know, much more happier with in their life. So. For sure. So, okay. So you're working with people on the social media side we don't re we don't really see it. So like, what is that? What does that actually look like if you're working with a client or I mean, I'm sure we'll get into your experience working with grit performance and kind of how that all goes down. But like, sure. what's it what's it kind of look like when you're when you're doing social media for somebody else? 
So it looks a little different for everyone I work with. So I always say that I don't believe in cookie cutter packages. So everyone that I work with, I create a package or um, a service that is specific to their needs because everyone's needs are different because everyone's brand is a little bit different. And so, um, you know, with at Power Branding, I do everything from complete full social media management where a client can essentially delete, you know, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok off their phone, um, all the way down to, you know, helping some brands with just a portion of their content or um, coaching people. So sometimes people enjoy social media. They just want to fine tune their skills um, on how to, you know, provide the best content. And so I do some coaching and then I also work with some athletes when they're at events to help them capitalize on social media when they get the spotlight of a competition without the distraction of them actually being on their phone doing it. Um, so again, like I said, it looks a little bit different for everyone, but behind the scenes, it's really just me kind of morphing into those different brands uh, to provide the quality content that they need to, whether it's make sales or to reach more people or just to educate people. Um, again, it just looks so different for each brand on what their goals are. Um, but whatever that goal is, I do my best to make it happen. Yeah, and that fitness side. So what's it what's it like when you are going to, you know, a two, three day competition? Like I had uh Max Cutler on the podcast who did the Mid Atlantic CrossFit Challenge. And it's like you're do it you you just have so many different responsibilities. It's like people don't realize that, hey, you're you're competing for twelve, fifteen minutes at a time, but there's so many different things. You have a massage therapist, you have somebody like you working with social media, you have somebody doing your meals. It's like there's there's just so many behind the scenes behind the scenes things that we just don't get to see. Right. So that's exactly what I'm passionate about is, is being able to show people what, what they don't get to see if they're either at the competition watching, or if they're maybe just streaming the competition online or on TV. And so, and I believe that is exactly what is what allows these athletes to build their brand online. And so um, by going with them, you know, ahead of time, I do prep work. So I talk to the athletes about, hey, like, who are your current sponsors? Who do you want to be a sponsor? Who's supporting you? Maybe it's a coach, a gym, whatever uh, that looks like for them. I get all that information. We talk about maybe they have some hashtags they always use, you know, like Frazier always use hard work pays off, things like that. Um, so I, I find out all those kind of branding specifics. I research their current you know, social media, most of them are on Instagram. So how do they normally uh, post? What's their kind of style? Are they really grungy? Are they kind of like light and airy? How do they, how do they talk to their followers? And then that way I can really morph into their brand while they're competing so that they don't have to have to manage it at all. So I log in to their accounts. I post stories in real time. So we might be posting some things about the workout, like, you know, they cross the finish line first for a heat win all the way to really telling stories about maybe what's going on behind the, the closed doors in the athlete warm-up area. Or maybe it's, um, you know, a great example at the CrossFit Games, one of the events, they had to do double unders outside on the turf field. And so I um, remember writing a post for one of the athletes talking about how in the warm-up area, they actually went outside into the grass to practice double unders because we don't normally do double unders where the rope is getting hung up on the ground. Um, and so, you know, to kind of telling those stories that as, as a fan watching, you maybe don't think about like, how did they get ready for those double unders or, um, you know, what is this, their stress level like? Um, but the nice thing for these athletes is to not have to be on their phone, to not have to be managing that. Um, but to still be getting, the, the credit they deserve while they've got that spotlight of a competition weekend is huge because they only get that spotlight for a short amount of time. And if they don't capitalize on it, they may not, they might not get anything out of that weekend other than competing. And if you maybe you don't get the prize money, or maybe you don't end up qualifying for the CrossFit games, if you don't walk away with a brand, you may not walk away with anything um, other than maybe just a really cool three days. Um, but we might as well capitalize on it while we're there. And they put in all this time and energy to get ready. Um, so providing them with that stress management has been um, really fun to kind of see how it's played out over time and, and how it's helped the athletes. Yeah, the days where people kind of make it to the games or to regionals by accident, 
like don't really put that much time in are kind of gone. So I I mean, if you're, if you're there, it's like, it might not be your full-time job, but it's at least you're training 15, 20, sometimes 30 hours a week to get there. So yeah, that totally makes sense. What about like, do you do any like sort of video content? Like I know the one example I always see is the UFC. Like they have the best marketing strategy. They just like they'll follow the athletes it, the weeks leading up to the fights, and it's like the way in everything is just dialed in. So, like, what's that with with CrossFit athletes? Because there there's not as much prep kind of going into it. Sometimes you you might just see the games and you're like, oh, I don't even know who that person is. You just see them get there. Right. Um, so that. So the best strategy for social media for someone competing at that high level that really wants to capitalize on it from a social media perspective is to work with someone like me for your social media management and then also having a separate photo videographer. So then what can happen is that professional that's an actual videographer or photographer is capturing the content in real time and able to send it my way immediately so that then I can post about it and tell the story. Story. So they might, again, going back to the double under example, if I have a videographer I can work with, they can get the, the videos of someone doing those double unders, you know, adding the sound and, you know, getting like the crowd involvement, cheering them on. And then they send that my way. And then I can write the story about how they were ready to walk out onto the field ready to do those double unders or, um, you know, whatever the storyline is. So I would say it's, it's a team effort. If you can have a photo and videographer and someone like me, that's specializing in the, the social media side of things. Um, I will say I do have a camera and I don't work as a photographer or a videographer, but I have, um, taken enough classes to be able to provide that service if an athlete really needs it. Um, so I have done that at events where I can take the photo or video for them and then use that to create the same content that we're talking about. Um, but truly, if you can have both, that is your well-rounded team for media. So I recommend all of my athletes, you know, have a, a photo videographer, have your social media manager, have your body work specialist, have your your meal prep individual. It takes a village to get these athletes all the way through a competition. Where is it going to end? Like how, how many people do you need on your team? Oh, well, I mean, you need your fans, you need, like I said, meal prep, you know, sometimes it's nice if you have someone that's designated to like drive you to places. Uh, I mean, really like, obviously there's such thing as too many cooks in the kitchen, but at the same point, um, just having some people designated for, for some of that. Um, I would say the biggest thing is to take the decision fatigue out of it. So that regardless of who you have on your team, maybe you really only have one or two people that can travel with you ahead of time, lining that out, you know, Jess, you're doing social media and meal prep and, you know, Nicole, you're doing body work and driving or whatever that looks like to where ahead of time it's, it's that decision is made so that when you're competing, your only job is to compete. And it's not to also figure out how you're getting from A to B. It's not figuring out what to eat and when to eat it. It's not, oh, crap, I forgot to tag my biggest sponsor on Instagram. You know, take some of those things away so that then when you get there, you compete, you focus on competing, you focus on recovering, and everything else is like an oil, a well-oiled machine. Um, so that would be my biggest recommendation, which is why um, – you know, like I said, there is some of that prep work when I contract with an athlete ahead of time, you know, where I do some of that research, we already are, you know, logged in, ready to go so that, you know, when we show up on site, they are all set to have a great weekend and essentially don't need to be on their phone. Do you find like being at the games as a fan of CrossFit that it's hard to, to like not get caught up in everything going on? Like, like the events, like how much are you able to kind of watch yourself and be a fan or is it all work at those things? Yeah. You know, it's funny you ask that. I feel like I, it, I've like transitioned from a fan to being, you know, I'm there on business. So it, I don't really feel like I'm there as a fan when I am working with somebody. Um, so I just, I'm, I'm so focused on, you know, the, 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 task at hand and whoever it is that I'm getting content for that I'm 
at, at most, I only want to cheer or fan for them because, you know, as you work with these athletes, I, I like grow to love and care about them. Um, so normally that's the biggest thing is like, if I'm taking pictures, I'm also like wanting to cheer for them. Um, but really it's more for me. I found when I can step back and almost remove myself as a fan, that's when I can really start absorbing like what's going on and what is the story taking place that people at home can't see, you know, maybe they can't see that the crowd erupts as an athlete walks in, or maybe they can't see that, you know, an athlete has overcome something like so challenging or, you know, whatever those stories are, um, removing myself as a fan and just really being able to soak things in is where, um, that storytelling comes in. Um, so yeah, that was kind of an interesting question that I hadn't really thought about, but I guess comparing myself at these events now versus before I ever had my business and I went just as a fan, they are very, very different experiences. Um, but I wouldn't trade it for the world. I, I'll give up being a fan any day to get to actually help make a difference for the athletes. Yeah, it's pretty cool. I think I think people are really pushing towards that back end, like seeing seeing the whole story. Like it's cool to watch people do an event and some of the even the events at the games like aren't all that interesting sometimes if you have a marathon row, but like right. what are they what are they eating while they're on the rower? How did they warm up for this? What did they feel like the next day? That's stuff that I mean, people who are big fans of the sport are gonna wanna know. So if you don't right. if you don't really give that, then people are gonna have no idea what really goes into it. Yeah, yes, exactly. That's very so what's like what's um say like you you come into the weekend with the athlete they get they have their their competition their six events or eight events or whatever it is like what's kind of can you give us like the schedule like what you're you're kind of doing you're capturing their warm-ups and and just all that back end stuff sure it obviously looks a little different for every event and every athlete um some athletes are super laid-back competitors you know they're they don't care who's around when they're warming up or when they're, you know, in their hotel room, you know, they're, they're totally up for talking, meeting people. Some athletes are like, they kind of need their space. They need uh, that time to really focus and kind of get in their own head, stay in their own lane. Um, so that can look a lot different depending on, you know, the athlete. And that's, again, those are questions we talk about ahead of time so that I'm on the same page as them so that I'm providing them, you know, do they, some athletes want lots of cheering and, others don't. So it's just kind of getting on that same page. Um, so yeah, it is, it's, it's being around them, you know, from time, you know, the time they get up in the morning until they go to bed or until they go back, you know, to their hotel for the night. Um, it is seeing, you know, what does the warm up look like? What does their body work session, you know, look like, or what are they eating? Um, sometimes it's also seeing them interact with fans. Like maybe it's in between events and, um, just trying to really listen in on, you know, what are fans asking them or talking to them about? Um, are, are they taking pictures with them? Or, you know, are they going to a sponsor's booth and getting to interact with them? Or, um, you know, maybe they're, I don't know, watching, you know, a TV show or playing. Some of them are parents. We've seen a lot of, you know, that dad strength and mom strength coming back. So we're seeing them interacting with their families. Um, so just lots of, it, it looks so different for every athlete. Um, you know, and, and another thing too, I love talking as long as the athlete's okay with it. I love talking about like their cheat meals or like the, the carb overload, like in between these events, um, you know, and being able to talk about like how excited they were to eat a burrito as big as their head or, you know, whatever that, that, food of their choice might be. But I think those are the stories that people um, are interested in. And it's also what's relatable. Like it's very relatable to hear that in between events, you know, they might be with a child or their significant other or that they want to just watch TV or, you know, things like that. So it's that is the stuff that also helps them build a wider, you know, fan base and following. Um, so it's really fun to kind of have a front row seat to that. Yeah, Max was telling me he was saying everyone at his gym was asking like, "Oh, would you would you eat for dinner after the competition?" And he's like, "I had ten uncrustable sandwiches. Like it was disgusting, but like I needed all these carbs." <laughs> and uh, yeah, like it is it is kind of cool to hear about that. Like when you're, we wouldn't see that. So if you don't put that out on social media, do you think like 
like do you think every athlete needs this or like how where do you see it kind of going in like in the sport wise sure well a lot of it's going to depend on and each athlete's goals and so if you are serious about wanting to compete long term or if you are serious about wanting to you know financially capitalize on yourself as an athlete then i think it's imperative um, that you have someone helping you with your social media um, now obviously some people like they do have that full-time job or they are you know a parent they already know this is my one I'm going to make one run at it and then it's over. You know, sometimes the investment might not be worth it in those cases. Um, but honestly, most people can always use the opportunity to build their brand, whether you want to compete or not. Um, that is usually the importance of social media for most athletes at all levels is it's also your security blanket for when you're done competing. So how are you going to build a following so that when you decide you can't be on the competition floor any longer, whether it's an injury, maybe it's a, to start a family, maybe it's just because you are need a break, whatever that looks like, how are you going to you know put food on your table? And if you have a brand and you have something people believe in, you can transition that into something else that can sustain, you know, your lifestyle. And so, um, a lot of it just really depends on your goals and, and what you, you know, have and where you want to go. Um, but a lot of these athletes, even the ones that maybe aren't going to the games, they still are coaches or gym owners or they're nutritionists. And so, um, if they're not capitalizing on their time as a competitive athlete, they're really missing out because, not every nutritionist gets to say that they went to a semifinal or the CrossFit games. Um, so I would say looking at it from, you know, a brand and a business perspective. Yeah. It's like, it's like people, once they go to the Olympics, I mean, you see, you see people who have been to the Olympics. There's some weightlifters who I saw on Instagram who have like 500 followers and I'm like, Oh boy. Like you could have been, you could have opened your own gym and been a weightlifting coach. And it probably would have been super easy to just get people in the door because you have that to your name. And then some people just don't capitalize on that at all. Well, let's kind of transition a little bit. I mean, most people who listen to the podcast aren't going to be elite athletes, but I'd, I'd kind of love to hear your take on just social media for, for the general person. Like how do you optimize it? How do you be on it without, uh, wanting to, you know, burn something down and get pissed off and divided and all that stuff. Right. So I will say the same strategy that I would recommend to a top 10 CrossFit Games athlete is the same strategy I would recommend to someone like you and I. And that is to spend no more than 15 minutes a day on social media. And so in that 15 minutes, I break that down into three five-minute increments. So for the first five minutes, make a post. Actually get something out there for your followers to see. Provide value to someone's day. Um, it does not have to be complicated. Um, it could be posting a workout you did. It might be posting um, about something that happened in your life in the last week. Maybe it was a vacation. It was something, an accomplishment of your child. It could be um, you know, a rest day activity, whatever that looks like, getting a post out there, um, sharing something, and then take your next five minutes of your 15 minutes and engage with people that you're currently following. So as you scroll on your feed, actually engaging with people for five minutes. And then on the last five minutes, you're going to engage with people you're not following. So that's when you're gonna switch over to the search portion of the Instagram feature and start engaging with people that you haven't followed before. And so when I say engage with followers or non-followers, I don't just mean like, I mean commenting, DMing, responding to stories, um, actually engaging with these people. So you know, maybe it's common thing if someone else posted that they, you know, hit a new PR, like congratulating them. Maybe someone's posting that, um, you know, their, their kid made the honor roll, like telling them congratulations. Um, you know, if someone maybe is posting that they're struggling with, you know, pain during squatting, like maybe sending them a DM and saying like, 
hey, the, you know, this product helped me or, you know, whatever that is, um, but actually interacting, you know, hopping on the stories and, you know, and playing with the push buttons or responding to the question boxes, things like that. Um, so actually interacting with people um, and, and to find people that maybe you aren't currently following, you know, using that search bar, maybe you search a hashtag that's related to, you know, something you believe in. Um, maybe it's searching a location of somewhere you've been or somewhere that you want to go. Um, you could search, you could go to a gym that you've dropped into or um, a brand that you believe in or you partner with and see who's already following them. You utilize things like that um, as a way to grow your account and also that's a great way to, to create genuine followers. Those people, when you start actually caring about someone and you're talking to them, um, they become a fan for life. And I always give this example. Um, but years ago when I first started CrossFit and before I ever had my business, I, um, it was during the open and, um, you remember the brand, um, Progenix, Progenix, the mm -hmm. supplement brand, like old school. I don't even, do they exist anymore? I have no idea. No idea. Um, and they did a competition where if you posted about the open and you used a certain hashtag, you would like be entered for a, a drawing or something. Um, and I will never forget China Chow, who was sponsored by them at the time, sent me a DM telling me that I had won a prize. I will always be a China Chow fan forever because of that. Um, and so I think when you are so real with a person and you talk to them, like, that's what creates fans for life. And also if you're a high level athlete, those are the people I'm paying attention to. Oh, they're using this brand. Okay. I'll buy that brand. Um, but even if they're not, even if they're just someone, you know, every day, like you and I, um, when you comment on me, I want to start commenting back. I have a vested interest in you. Um, and now you have a, like a life cheerleader in me. And so that's how you build like those positive communities so that when you get on Instagram, you don't, get off of Instagram, super pissed off. You get off Instagram with like a, a good feeling and a positive one. Um, so yeah, 15 minutes a day, that's really all it takes. Um, and also if you kind of set, set those three little five minute timers, um, it gets you off of there before you, you know, go down any too, too deep of a rabbit hole or, um, you know, find anything too negative, things like that. So, um, and also we all can spare 15 minutes to make sure that our social media presence does exist. So maybe it's at lunchtime in between sessions at the gym while you're standing in line for a coffee. Um, 15 minutes seems a lot more doable when you break it down that way. Yeah. I think you have to actually care. Like w one of the things that I used to watch uh, Gary V Gary V's videos yeah. a lot, and I'm not a big fan of him anymore, but like just commenting back, like it is not hard and that was something that I didn't do for the longest time. Like people would take the time to comment on my posts and I wouldn't do, I wouldn't comment back. And then right. I'm like, no, like somebody took the time out of their day to comment on my posts. Like they like the podcast or they listen to it or whatever, but it's, you have to care. Like you have to be like, wow, this per like I get genuinely excited when people send me a message and say, Hey, I listened to the podcast, really enjoyed it. Like, that fires me up. That's why I do it. So right. I think like that, that's an important thing. Cause you know, right. it, it's, it's very easy to, to get kind of wrapped up in these things. And you know, you're on your phone an hour, sometimes like look at your screen time. I urge all the listeners to look at their screen time. And if it's three, four or five hours, like maybe you need to reevaluate what you're doing. Yeah. hundred percent. And also you said something really important. You said, um, you have to care and, and I think what, so what if you don't care, you know, that happens. So I think that's also a good way for you to look inward a little bit and say like, is this really what I want to be doing or spending my time with? And even in the CrossFit space, if you are doing CrossFit as a sport and people are commenting and it's not firing you up, like maybe that's a sign to step away from the competition for, maybe it's a sign to step into coaching, or maybe it's, you know, that can be a sign to help you transition into something you're really passionate about um, and find, find something that does fire you up anytime someone comments or sends you a DM um, and, you know, kind of, I encourage you to like find something that, like you said, like what lights you up and gets you excited when someone reaches out to you um, and, and social media can kind of be a good, like, 
way to shine a light on that, whether it's in, in the best way or in a way that's like, Whoa, I need to find that thing. If I, if I haven't found it yet. Um, so you made a really good point there. Yeah. It's like, I mean, your algorithms are, are pretty, pretty good at, they're much smarter than, than we are. So right. they're going to try to show you stuff that either is going to invoke something in you. I don't know what that something is supposed to be. They're coming sure. out with like the Facebook whistleblower thing. I don't know if you're following that, but so, so how do you, how do you do this? If you're managing multiple people's accounts, so how you can't obviously can't do 15 minutes a day. So what like strategies are you doing to, to kind of cope with the downtime and stuff like that? Sure. So I actually, all of my clients who I manage their social media, I create their content in batches. Um, and I would recommend that for everyone. So um, I usually do it for 30 days at a time. So I, you know, have a calendar. I, you know, I schedule out like first I put in dates. So say with the CrossFit world, um, if I have a client that's CrossFit related and I know the CrossFit games is around the corner, I'm going to create content about that. Um, and then I might, you know, talk about maybe they have a launch or a new product, whatever that looks like. I obviously schedule that stuff based on their needs. And then I fill in all the gaps ahead of time so that then every day I'm not actually creating the post that's going out for that day. I'm simply, you know, copy and pasting it into, you know, Instagram, getting it ready to post. Um, some clients actually even have a, a scheduling system that does it, that auto publishes it for me. Um, and so, yeah, so that content's already created. So that is five minutes of time that I don't actually have to invest in creating the content each day. Um, and then I do get in, manually get into all the accounts every day or my assistant does if it's a day, maybe I'm traveling or, um, you know, whatever that looks like, she, she can jump in there. And then we do that five minutes of engagement with their followers, um, non-followers, making sure, same thing. We always want to make sure we're commenting back, responding to DMs, taking care of any of the people that are showing them love. Um, and then obviously growing their account by talking to others, encouraging others, finding people that, you know, would love their brand or relate to them that could benefit from some of the free knowledge and tips and tricks that are being shared, things like that. Um, but yeah, I mean, I keep that, like I said, it, I keep it in that five to 10 minute range for all my clients every day, but 10 minutes a day really adds up over time. I mean, that's 300 minutes in a month. Um, and so, you know, that it, it will add up over time. And again, it creates quantity followers over sorry, that creates quality followers over quantity. And that's what's important is we want quality rather than stressing over vanity metrics, like your number of follower count or your number of likes per picture. We want to make sure we have people that are actually, you know, purchasing things or that are actually cheering you on or believing in what you say and listening to you um, rather than just trolling essentially. <laughs> Is it, um, is it like a tough conversation with people? Like it almost breaking down the stigma that like, you don't need to have the 10,000 followers. So you have the swipe up thing, or you don't need this massive audience to, to, you know, really put out a positive message. Like, I think that's what a lot of CrossFitters have the opportunity to do is like, Hey, this is, I'm competing at this thing, but also this is like the best possible thing that you could do for your health. So so what does that look like? Um, it can be hard to convince someone. It's kind of like, um, I mean, it's, it just depends on their mindset coming into it. Um, but a lot of times, you know, going back to that accounting background, when I can discuss that, hey, do you really care if you have 50,000 followers, if they're not buying anything? But if you have 500 and they all purchase something, we've just made X amount of dollars, you know? So I think when we start you know, putting things into, you know, a monetary value, uh, that's usually pretty, you know, speaks for itself for most business owners. Um, and then from an athlete standpoint, uh, I always remind athletes that again, when we don't worry about the number, but we just worry about actually like getting content out there because it's even, it's not about you as, as the person that's making a post. It's really about whoever is listening and needs to hear your message. Um, and every day that you share something, someone needs to hear it. It's really not about you. Um, it's about someone else needing to hear it. And you may never know that they needed to hear that message. Like how, how often do you find yourself when you're scrolling 
do you read something and you're like, oh, I can resonate with that. Or like, man, that really hits home. But then you keep scrolling. Like you may not even like it, let alone like message them and be like, oh my gosh, that really like, that made a difference in my day. Like you may never tell them. So they may never know. Um, but still getting, getting your message out there. Um, someone always is going to need to hear it. Um, so just remembering that rather than again, worrying about like, how many likes is this going to get? Or how many, eh, I don't know that I need to send it out there. I only have 500 followers. Like you have 500 people that want to listen to you. One of them probably needs to hear what you have to say. Get it out there. I always feel weird just like DMing people out of the blue though. <laughs> I don't know. Um, well, how do you feel when someone DMs you out of the blue? I mean, it's awesome. <laughs> but okay, like, exactly. Like, yeah, 99% of the time, it's like a positive experience. Right. So if it's always positive for you, don't you think it's going to be positive for almost anyone you send a message to? Yeah, exactly. And and it doesn't even have to be like a big thing. I think like there's a lot of people who are putting their weight loss journeys out there. Like, so just sending somebody a message and say like, hey, keep going. Like right. you're doing awesome. I think that would be super valuable. Like imagine a world if we all did that instead of just like sharing all this negative shit. If we just like, hey, comment on, on somebody who went to the gym today and say, hey, that's awesome that you went today. Like show up tomorrow. And right like the positivity that that would spread yeah that'd be pretty cool and again if everyone did it for five minutes there's seven billion people in the world so if seven billion people spent five minutes doing something positive on the internet like that could change the world um and especially if you're someone that does have any type of spotlight through the sport of crossfit whether and by spotlight i just mean you might be a coach at your local gym that means how many members are at your gym? You are a spotlight to them. They're all looking at you coaching class. Like if you post something and if you send those messages and if you're commenting those positive things, like it makes a difference. You know, you don't have to be Tia Claire to me to make a difference on Instagram or Facebook or wherever. Um, like you just said, like sending someone that message saying like, way to go. I just show up today. Hope you go back tomorrow. Like guarantee they're going back to the gym tomorrow. Yeah. It's just like the five minute thing. So many people I think are like, oh, it's only five minutes, so it's not going to make a difference. Even though if you if you add it up over time, like it makes so much sense. And that, go, that goes with everything. Like put five minutes into literally anything that you want to get better at and a month, two months down the road, you're going to just be dramatically better at it if you didn't do that. But a lot of people think like, oh no, if I'm not going to go to the gym for two, three hours a day, like it's not worth it, but... Right. Well, and that's what I always tell, you know, CrossFit athletes when they come to me and they're wanting help. Um, you know, I always say you just have to be consistent on social media. I mean, it's the same with how do you get better at CrossFit? You go to CrossFit every day. Like you're, you don't hit a new PR by, if you want to bench press your or PR your bench press, like if you never bench press, like you won't PR. Well, it's the same with Instagram. If you want to grow your following, if you want to make a bigger impact. If you want to get a sponsor, you know, whatever it is, if you never post, none of those things will ever happen. Um, so, you know, it, it's really no different, you know, your social media side of things is no different than your fitness, your nutrition, your mental, you know, conditioning, whatever that looks like. Um, it's just another piece of the puzzle and it's a piece of the puzzle for all of us, whether we're a high level athlete or not, because it's, it's not going anywhere anytime soon. What, I'd love to just get into your fitness journey a little bit more. I know um, you've posted some cool stuff on Instagram that you've done personally. So I just kind of loved it. I, I mean, I always love sharing this kind of sto like stories about people who are doing interesting stuff. So what's, what's kind of just walk back to your journey, like walking through the door in CrossFit and how that's kind of changed over time. Sure. Um, gosh, so, you know, walking in the door, I mean, really it, it changed my life. I mean, I always say like when I was in college, never, I used to never like working out. I wasn't a healthy eater. I always tell the story. So where I lived in college, um, I was on the second floor and there were no elevators. So you had to take the stairs. And anytime I would buy a case of water, I always had to call my roommate Jocelyn. And I'd be like, Hey Joss, can you come downstairs and carry my case of water up? Cause I wasn't strong enough to carry one case of water up one flight of stairs. 
And so I think that was something, you know, that really shifted, you know, especially because when I did start CrossFit and I started my fitness journey, it truthfully was to look good in a swimsuit on a stage. And it over time transformed into much more than that, you know, a confidence builder, um, you know, to, that to feel strong and empowered and capable, um, you know, because that's what happened is I shifted and I did get stronger. Um, and I was able to do things, you know, I like ran Spartan races, like, and I got dirty and I, um, you know, I was able to try a lot of things, um, you know, fitness wise running, you know, I tried a half marathon, hated it, just going to throw it out there, not meant to run, but I tried it. Um, you know, so I was able to really do some different things. Um, and then like this last year, I to kind of just try something new. I did um, an event called 29029, um, which is so the vertical height of Mount Everest is 29,029 feet. And so I signed up for this event. I actually heard um, a speaker, Jesse Itzler. If you're not following Jesse, go follow Jesse. He's incredible. Um, I heard him speak at an event in 2019. Um, and he talked about this 29029 event where they rent a mountain for a weekend and you climb the mountain as many times as it takes to reach the vertical height of Mount Everest. So I was pretty intrigued, um, looked at my best friend, Nicole, and I said, we are going to do that. And so we signed up for the event. Um, we were signed up for it to be in 2020. It got canceled. Um, so it got pushed to June of this year. Um, so I did a lot of training for that. I was usually up to like 16 to 20 hours a week of training, um, being on my feet. I live in Illinois. It's very flat. So um, to kind of simulate hills and, you know, a mountain was a little challenging, but um, come June, I went to Sun Valley, Idaho, and um, there were about 200 people at the event. And essentially, the the mountain that we climbed, it was um, we had to climb it 15 times. So you climbed it up and you rode the gondola down a total of 15 times, and you had a 36 hour window to do that in. Um, and it took, I mean, I think my first climb up took like right over an hour, like a minute or like one hour and four minutes or something like that. Um, and then the gondola ride down was six or seven minutes. Um, and every, every time, you know, we'd ride down and we always said, you know, when you get off the gondola, just, just turn to your left and keep going, keep getting on the mountain, um, you know, eat on the mountain, rest on the mountain. Um, the event 29029, they do a great job. They provide, you know, there's a lodge, they provide like meals in the lodge. It was hot. I mean, it was June in Idaho. There was a heat advisory. The air, the lodge was air conditioned. They served like super nice meals in there. They had a recovery lounge, you know, with like Norma tech boots and, you know, massage people in there. Like it was very tempting to go in that lodge. Um, and Nicole and I never did. We always, we stayed on the mountain. Um, so we climbed our first 11 ascents out of 15 um, without, I mean, we would sometimes stop, you know, at the bottom, like maybe change our shoes or our socks, like grab some food. Um, but we never like went inside and sat down or anything. Um, so our first 11 ascents, our final one that night finished at like 3 a.m. So like our last two were like completely in the dark. You know, we had to have the headlamps. Um, you know, and the whole time you've got like your walking sticks, there was a section of the mountain that was like, they called it the wall. I mean, it was just like, just straight up. It felt like, um, but yeah, I mean, it was, it was very interesting, but yeah, so we did until 3am. Um, and then we slept for two hours and they provide tents. Um, and I'm not a tent person. But I, I did it and that was part of the experience. So we slept for two hours right there at, at the base camp um, and turned around that next morning and got started again and finished our last four climbs. Um, I think we, we finished like around two o'clock and we had two or three and we had until six. So we finished the entire challenge um, with some time to spare and with a little bit of a nap. So it was a success for us. Um, it was life-changing, definitely the hardest thing I had ever done. It is, um, you know, it's not a race that the event is not designed to be a race. It's you versus you, um, which is really cool. And something I would recommend, um, for CrossFitters sometimes is to step back and it's, 
it's you versus the mountain. It's you versus your own head. Like anyone can will themselves up that mountain 15 times. You just have to mentally make yourself do it. Um, and really, you know, the coolest thing about that event is you have 36 hours. Um, you're going to tear yourself down. Like there is just no doing that event and not breaking down at some point or at least a little bit. But what I think is really neat about it is when you, when you break down on the mountain, you choose how you build back up. And so, and there's, you know, 200 other people around you, encouraging you, everyone's like, like-minded and, you know, has the same goal. So you have all these people to help as you are building that back up, you know, every time you have maybe a rough ascent, when the next one comes around and it's a good one and you feel good and you're strong, you know, you, you get a let, you learn a lesson and a takeaway that like lasts forever. Um, and that's really cool. And, and just something you don't usually get an opportunity to really like close yourself off to everything else in the world for 36 hours um, and just be present with yourself and find a whole new limit. Like I never knew, like whatever my bat, like boundary was before, like I went past it times 10 um, at 29, zero 29. So um, that was definitely a new feat for my fitness journey that I was able to go on this summer. Um, Highly recommend it. Um, they actually opened registration for 2022 yesterday and they have sold out all but like one event. So if anyone wants to get, wants to get to 29029, sign up like today. Um, but it's really cool. And it's something I recommend um, anyone in the CrossFit space to try. It's not um, super CrossFit related. It did kind of force me into some running and some like cardio endurance for a couple months, but um, it changed my, um, my like mental strength for CrossFit ever since. Um, I feel like I push a little harder and I can go to a little bit of a deeper place ever since, because it's like, I went there and I went there hard at 29029. I can do it for this eight minute AMRAP. Um, so I, I highly recommend if it's not 29029, I recommend everyone to test their fitness in ways that's outside of the four walls of a gym, um, you know, and take yourself to a little bit of a more challenging place, whatever that looks like for you. Um, yeah. I mean, you said it's not CrossFit, but it really is like that. That's the exact definition of CrossFit, like the unknowable. Like yeah. sometimes you might have to walk up a mountain 20 or 15 times in a row. And that's right. like, yeah, that's that might not be the typical lot. And I'm sure you're not doing that 30 days in a row. It's like a one time thing. But yeah, yeah. that's really cool. I, I do think like testing your fitness out, I think we get so caught up in like the one thing, like we, we might go to the gym four or five days a week and you're just routine oriented. And it's like, you got to get your training in, you got to do your strength, your Metcons, whatever. And a, a lot of times we just don't get outside. Like the, the whole point of being healthy and like going to the gym is so you can be healthy outside of the gym. I think that's like, that's a lesson that I've learned lately is, and I always, I always want to do that. Like, that's like my ultimate goal with fitness is like, if somebody asked me to do something like that, like, yeah, in, in three weeks, I could, well, maybe not three weeks, I would probably get smoked, but like, you know, you could train for something for a couple months and then be ready for it. So instead of being like, oh, I can, I can't do that because I, I'm not ready for it or I'm out of shape or whatever. So very cool. What, what do you think's like the biggest takeaway from that? Like just mental toughness? Yeah, for me, it was, um, I think for me, it was just, um, like knowing that even when you're like, this is it, I can't go anymore. You have more to give. Um, like even, um, uh, I'm David, Goggins has said before, like when you think you're going to quit, when you're, when you feel like, you know, you're tired or whatever, you're really only like 20 or 30% there. Like you've got like 60 to 70% more to give. Um, it finally, like that actually happened for me. And that was really my takeaway. And, um, just knowing that like, whatever happens, like you can o overcome it. I mean, just like on the mountain, like there were plenty of things to overcome. You know, it was my calves were really like giving me fits at times and wanting to cramp up. My knee hurt really bad at one point. My stomach issues were like out of this world at one point. Like it just, there was always something, you know, it was really cold at nighttime, but it was really, really hot in the daytime. I mean, the, the list goes on of like all the different challenges that happened. And again, like also, I, I guess another takeaway as I'm talking about it out loud, is when you, when you set your mind to a goal, 
you can't, when you think about climbing Everest or, or 29,029 feet, you can't think about all 15 trips up the mountain. You really can't even think about getting halfway up the first time. Think about the next foot that goes in front of this one. And then the next step, you know, maybe it's like, all right, we're going to get to that first aid station. Okay. Now we're going to get to that pole over here. Okay. Let's get to that shade. Let's get to, you know, this next, you know, hill or whatever that stuff looks like. Take it little bits at a time. It's like getting a business. I mean, when I started power branding, like I didn't even know half the stuff I would have to figure out along the way. And if I would have, I maybe would have thought this is a little too much, but when they, when you just start rolling with it and you just take one step at a time, one day at a time, one task at a time, all of a sudden, like power branding's my full-time job, you know, and that's, that's life. Like any, any goal you want, just take it one piece at a time and you'll get there. Don't, don't worry so much about the big picture. I mean, that's exactly what what 29029 was. It was not worrying about how am I going to get up the mountain on lap 14 and 15. It's not even about getting up there for lap one. It's about step one, step two, you know, it just going, um, you know, one foot in front of the other. Um, and also it taught me like, take care of yourself, you know, like taking five seconds to get a rock out of your shoe is going to save you what would have been hours of slowing you down from a huge blister, like same thing in life, you know, taking care of yourself. If you're, you know, exhausted, maybe if it's in CrossFit, you got to tweak, like get that stuff taken care of early on. So it's not costing you days, weeks, months later. Um, so, you know, just, just really like the process of it. Um, every second of it, it was a lesson that you can take away, but, um, I would say just taking things one step at a time. Yeah, very cool. That's that's what we talk about. Like the the whole point of better than yesterday is not like being better than somebody else or or doing everything today. It's like can you just do that one little thing well today? And it and it might be as simple as spending 5 minutes on social media or it might be as simple as, you know, training for training for a half hour when you don't think you right. have enough time, but but those things really do add up. Well, Jessica, this was really fun. Where can people find you if they want to work with you or follow along on Instagram? Absolutely. Well, uh, follow me on Instagram. My Instagram handle is at I am power branding. Um, I'll just leave it with Instagram. That's what I, that is where my, you know, whole world is. That's what I do for everyone. So find me on there, um, reach out, send me a DM. I would love to engage with you on social media. Once again, thank you so much for tuning into this week's episode of the show. Thanks again to Jessica for coming on. Really appreciated the conversation with her and definitely picked up a few tips that I'm going to implement on social media, and I hope you do as well. If you made it this far, just know that I appreciate you so much. If you did make it this far, just make sure to share out the episode on your Instagram story and let people know that you liked it. That is the best way that you can support me so I can keep cranking out these episodes and speaking with interesting people like Jessica. So thank you guys. I look forward to the next one, and I will see you guys on Monday.